This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. for taking the time to join me on today and as always a special welcome to those of you who are tuning in for the very first time we're on this podcast we don't just talk about how to do the work we talk about all those things any and everything associated with working in ux it doesn't matter what it is folks whether we're talking about how you get things done how you operate on a regular basis and especially i take time to talk about a lot of the nuances a lot of the things that go under the radar, a lot of things that are related to the discipline that are either misunderstood, overlooked, or just completely neglected. The thing is that the things that we talk about many times, they're going to come up. So if, you, if you, you're going to encounter them, and so if you're not ready, if you're not aware of them, you won't know how to respond, you won't know what to do. And some people are really taken aback when they encounter certain things in the world of UX. And so for that reason, I like to have this sort of no holds barred approach. Uh, We turn over every rock. Uh, A lot of people are not pleased with some of the things that I'll talk about on this show. But at the same time, they won't talk to you about these things. And they know firsthand that these things are things you're going to run into. There are things you're going to have to deal with. So uh, I'm not one for caring too much about public sentiment. I don't really care about and and have learned that political correctness doesn't really have a place in UX. If we're going to thrive, if we're going to excel, we need to understand what we're going to encounter. We need to understand how to process what we're going to encounter. We need to understand how to proceed in conjunction with the things we're going to encounter. So if you want to be good at this, some people just want a job. They don't really care anything about being good at it. If you want to excel, you got to make sure that you are paying attention to everything that you might experience as a user experience professional. So for that reason, that's why this podcast is called The World of UX, because we don't leave anything out. Folks, any and everything. I I talk about it. I bring other people to come on the show and talk about these things. And so put it to you this way. We respect you enough to tell you what you need to know. It's not about popular sentiment. It's not about trying to gain a following. It's not about any of those things. It's simply about helping people to be prepared. That's what we're doing. Here. So that said, we are continuing in our series where we're talking about things related to the UX job world, whether it's finding a job, whether it's interviewing, whether it's getting your portfolio ready, whether it is managing a team, whether it's interviewing, whether it's interviewing others or being interviewed yourself, whatever it is, this this whole UX job thing is a very, this is what I was just addressing. It's very broad. There are a lot of things that come up. And many of the things that come up, things that need to be on our radar, 
are things that I mean, people don't know. They they don't really know what to expect. They don't know what to do. I'm I'm really happy about some of the feedback that I get sometimes. Just just always happy to hear the impact that we make. And somebody recently thanked me on on LinkedIn for talking about all of these types of things. And in particular, one person gave me a shout out because they were so happy how I talked about when you're looking for a job, you want to try to discover things about the UX maturity level at that organization. Because it will tell you, it will give you a better idea what you're about to get into if you're going to go into that company. And and companies that have low to no UX maturity, they don't know how to understand UX professionals. They don't know how to interact with UX professionals. They don't know how to treat UX professionals. They don't know how to provide resources for UX professionals. And so while when we're trying to get a job, we get excited about that place. We get excited about the prospects of going into this new company. And and that excitement has a tendency to blind. And when you get blind, you go in, and if you accept that job and you go in, and then all those things that you should have been asking about and all those things that you know you don't want to experience or encounter, you're going to run smack dab into them. So that person gave the shout out. Not only did they did it help them to ask the right questions and make a sound decision, it helped them to land in a position that they will have no regrets because a lot of people have job acceptance regrets <laughs> later, folks. And, and you know, you, you're so, some people are so busy thinking about the check, they don't realize what's going to happen to their mental well-being. And working in UX is a tough thing. It's, this is not just you just go and do the work. This stuff will eat at you. It will, you'll find yourself frustrated because UX is one of those jobs where you can do your absolute best. You can do your best research. You can put forth your best design chops. You can do all the right things and then have it thrown back in your face as if you've done absolutely nothing. And and I know this can happen in a lot of other disciplines, but we're talking about UX, right? So this is what we care about. This is what our focal point is. And, and it is a painful thing. You might not be able to imagine it, but I'm telling you, it's a painful thing when you work to be your absolute best, when you do your absolute best with your research efforts, when you turn over every stone, you cross every T and dot every I, and then have somebody come back to you and take their biases and basically throw them in your face, and you know that it's wrong, but you can't do anything about it. If you don't love UX, when you experience those types of things, it can floor you. So we're trying to help you be aware of it. And, and, and how do you get over something like that? Just to insert another question as we wrap up the, the questions that we received recently today. How do you deal with something like that? Well, UXers, UX is an ego-free discipline. And what, what I mean by that is you need to operate without ego. So if you put forth your best foot, you you do great things, you, you got all the right data, you you cross every T again, you dotted every I, everything is set, and somebody just blows you off as if you did absolutely nothing, as if you did the direct opposite of everything that you did. Well, you're not married to it. Your ego isn't connected to it. That's one of the major differences between UX and, say, visual design. Visual design is an ego-driven thing. That's your baby. And when somebody thinks it's ugly, then people tend to take that personally. In UX, 
when somebody doesn't accept it and you did do the right thing and you have to know it's the right thing because people are going to are going to write you off sometime when you do the right thing but we're not married to it i did what i was supposed to do i i advocated for my users i represented expert voice that's what we do if you didn't know that that's what we do as ux professionals it was rejected but i documented everything all of my data is re- is, is readily available for everybody later and I have found that when you do that and you get written off, when everything fails, guess what happens? Many times, everybody comes all the way back because they remember what you said. They remember what you presented. They remembered how things played out. And they end up revisiting what you said and they end up doing it many times. And so you've got to make sure to be grounded in making sure that you do the right things. And, and also, there's something that I, I talked about this in, a, in an earlier episode some time ago in, in, the, in the very early days of this podcast. There's something that I call the art of constructive losing where you, you know sometimes when they're not going to listen to you, but you can't let that sway you. And you can't allow that. You can't allow that to seduce you into taking your eye off the bullseye of excellence. We, we have to be sold on excellence and continue to do that no matter how people respond. And when you do that, people will, they, they don't buy in many times, especially when the UX maturity level is low. Folks don't buy in up front, but you can win people over, over time when you maintain that course of excellence. So I, I highly recommend that you do that and don't be swayed and don't be discouraged. It's the way things are. I did a design once and a person shot it down because they wanted everything to be orange. And some of the work I was doing on that particular project was visual in nature. And we did have to do some high fidelity development and they wanted to switch everything to orange. And so then I just asked them, why do you want it to be orange? Well, I like orange. That was it. They had no data. They had no nothing. And, and I had a blue color palette because it was a medical solution that we were working on and blue is really big and in medical circles. And so that's what we did. And, and, but the person just happened to like orange and, and the blue one out and ended up, it ended up being supported and everybody went with it. And in that instance, we were combining three apps into one. So it's all about functionality. It's not about your little color scheme here that you want because you have a thing for orange. Never mind the fact that 12 other stakeholders like other colors. We, what somebody wants from a color perspective is not important, and I was able to eventually convey that and and get people to do the right thing, and that's part of what UX is, folks. UX is about everybody wants to talk about Figma, and, and they're very tool-centric, and they're caught up in all other types of things. How good are your negotiation skills? Because if you are a user experience professional, a lot of what you're doing is mediation, and negotiation <laughs> has nothing. You can't negotiate with Figma. There's no negotiation tool in Figma. Basically, there's no mediation tool in Figma. There's no advocation tool in Figma. So these are are critical to UX, which is why I always stress the importance of emotional intelligence. So just a little precursor before we get into the last of the questions on today. I promise to cover the last three questions that I received, and thank you once again, those of you. Who uh, who presented your questions and and I didn't do this before I, I wanna I'm gonna call out first names uh, and, and all the people who have committed uh, or submitted questions to this thank you again I appreciate it Lee Alfie M K 
Rick, Susan, Andres, Sarah, Mel, Bina. And that's it. You don't get any last names. This could be anybody. But I thank everybody for their contributions to this. And we're going to start doing this on a more regular basis because I think the Q&As are critical because there are some things that people just want to know. So, and, and we're happy to be able to share things with you. The only thing I caution you about is be ready for the response. Because as you know, I don't tickle ears. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. So be ready for the response. You, you, ask for the, you ask the question, whoever you are, at any time, be ready for the response. Because a lot of people have that. They're, they're subscribed to toxic positivity and they ask a question, but they want you to tickle their ears and they want you to tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. So on this podcast, we talk about what you need to hear. So ready for the first question? Here we go. For the first question today, which would be actually question number seven in the sequence, a person's asking, I love this, how important is a manager to your UX career? How do you vet them out? And what do you do if it's, if it's not a good match? Fantastic question. This is one of those things that folks need to ask, especially when you're looking for a job. Sometimes you're already in a job and you just have a bunch of questions because of things you have experienced. So let's cover this as much as we can uh, in, in the time allotted because I want to leave enough time for all the questions. So, of course, this is not going to be completely exhaustive, but we'll give you as much as we can in the moment. In general, a manager is critical. Now, it's first off, let's make sure we understand what managers are supposed to do. Uh, notice I said what they're supposed to do because there's a lot of people who have manager positions in UX today that are not qualified. They're flat out not qualified. They don't know what to do. Uh, they don't know any of the stuff that I'm about to tell you. Uh, and and so it becomes problematic when you work in some of those environments. But uh, I, I just have to mention that. But let's talk about it again from a broad perspective. A manager is responsible for overseeing the operation of a user experience team in general. A manager is responsible for representing that team to the entire organization. And it is even more critical when that manager, because some managers, there are no directors. Some people don't realize this. Because above the manager, you have a director, a director of experience design, a director of user experience, a director of whatever product design, whatever it is. And, but some companies, they don't have directors. The highest ranking person in some situations is a manager. And when that is the case, that manager is the, the go-between, serves as the mediator between that department and the leadership in that organization. So before we talk about what this manager is to you, I want to make sure that we are, are communicating what this person's responsibilities are because it's really broad. They have to do all of the HR legwork. That means they have to process everybody's information. They have to approve vacation days. They have to, to oversee reviews of the individual. They have to oversee one-on-one -on -one time with all the people. Managers have a lot on their plate. Some managers are working managers. They're actually engaged in the work. Some managers just do just take care of the people. And so when managers are just taking care of people, they're in a lot of meetings. There's a lot going on. They really don't have time. 
to do any of the work. So it's important to to know and understand that because when we know and understand that, it helps us to empathize with them with regard to things that they're tasked to do on a regular basis. I want to make sure that we call that out. Now, how important is a manager to your career? Uh, A manager is critically important. The manager is the in-person representation and and holds the really like the the compass if you will that speaks to the trajectory of your career in that organization and and, and you've got your career as a whole your UX career as a whole and then you've got your UX career within that organization they are not one and the same they could change at almost any given time and it is really important that people understand and and note that, take note of that, uh, because you, something could happen. You could come up, you could find out about an uh, an opportunity. Uh, today is getting popular to get rid of UX teams because companies don't know what they're doing, and they found out they were hiring people incorrectly. And then one company got rid of a third of their nine hundred plus member UX team when they shouldn't have had nine hundred UX members in the first place. So that writing should have been on the wall when you find out that they had that many UX people. It just doesn't even make sense. So I mean, things can change at, at almost any given time. That manager helps to navigate. You, for you within the organization, they help make sure that you have everything that you need within that organization. Managers run interference. They're aware many times of pitfalls and problems and issues within the company. The manager is responsible for deflecting those things to really try to keep you as one of their reports from being exposed to certain things because you don't need to be exposed to all the things that the manager is exposed to, and so it's their job to make sure to that to keep your runway, if you will, clear, so you can just take off and land, take off and land, take off and land, using a plane metaphor, with regard to the work that you have to do. So really, 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 really important. It is, I, I, can't, I can't stress how important a manager is, and for that reason, it's important to have a good manager. So these managers are going to spend time with you individually, You need to have a manager that is easy to communicate with, a manager that takes time to know you and takes time to allow you to know them. So these things are critical. Managers should be people who facilitate and optimize all of your operation. They should be able to identify and suppress and eliminate factors associated with dysfunction. All of these things all while helping to not only drive the UX maturity of the team and for the organization, but also help you to optimize your personal UX maturity. And I mentioned that your career outside of that company is different than the career inside the company. They should be contributing to both. The manager should be helping to grow you as an individual and assuming that you're, there's going to come a day you're going to leave that team, possibly. That is always a possibility. And so the manager should not be afraid of that. They should not be afraid of developing you because of what could happen to you in the future. You would hope that while they're developing you, a good manager is going to bend over backwards to develop you. And if a good manager is bending over backwards to develop you, 
The hope is that you would greatly appreciate that and that you would not want to walk away because folks, I'm telling you, there's a difference between your manager and your job. And it's pretty common now to know and understand that people, a lot of times, they don't quit jobs. They quit bosses. And, and because of that, I mean, that's really how important the manager is. That manager, a lot of times, is the key cog, the key deciding factor. It's the stone in the scale that will help you decide many times whether or not to leave a particular company. And for that reason, if you do decide to ever leave the company where you are, if and when you do, because this is not 1974, you're going to leave. It, people don't stay at companies for a long time, and, and a lot of UX positions have short shelf lives. So the assumption is that you're going to leave. Please know and understand, you need to vet out leadership before you decide to go to another company. That's, again, how critical that manager is because if you get caught up in the fact that you have a potential of going to a new job and you do not take the time to understand leadership and how leadership is structured and what that team chemistry and, and that team dynamic is before you go in, you could have uh, job, job acceptance regrets later on uh, because of it. So how do you vet them out? You've got to ask all the right questions You've got to be willing to ask the tough questions. You need to ask them about their management style. You need to ask them how they handle different types of employees since they've been on the team. You need to ask them what they do in order to help develop their the, the, the members of their team. You need to ask them how they engage with people in leadership to help drive for, for the resources and the time and the understanding of the current team members, all of these things, ask all the right questions. And highly, I highly recommend going, there are books on the market about what makes a good leader. Check these books out and, and look at these books. If you don't want to buy them, go to goodreads.com and find books about leadership that talk about leadership traits. And then as you look at those things, translate them into questions that you can ask during the interview process and then use that to help you understand who that leader is. And, and one thing I will call out, and I keep saying it, and I can't stop saying it, go to someone's LinkedIn profile when you know that you're going to be interviewing, when you're in a situation where you're looking for another job, and you they let you know who you're going to interview with. Before that interview, please go to LinkedIn and look at their LinkedIn profile. Look at how long they've been working in the discipline. Look at how long they've been with the company. Look at what their job responsibilities are. And, and, and that can help you develop some questions as well to ask them. And you will, a lot of times, you'll find it's exactly as I always mentioned, a lot of people who are in UX leadership roles have little to no UX experience. They have not, a lot of them have not done the work. And that doesn't mean that they can't be a good leader. The best boss I ever had was a non-UXer. And because they were just a good leader, it just so happened that he was in charge of the UX team and, and he was great. And, and one of the things that made him great was he knew how to trust people <laughs> to do their work. He knew that I knew more about UX than him and he trusted me. That, that's one of the, actually one of the major factors associated with dysfunction. When there is no trust, then dysfunction is going to just run rampant. 
within that group. And so when there's no trust and you get micromanagement and a whole lot of other things and, and, and that, that's not, you're going to rejoice about your, your paycheck and then you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and sit there thinking about all the crazy things that happen at work. So you, you want to try to, to eliminate that type of potential of, of being in a situation such as that. So, so look at the leadership traits, look at how long the person has been in UX if they haven't been doing UX, then there's a certain set of questions you need to ask. If they have been doing UX, then there's a different set of questions you need to ask. But know that the most dangerous UX manager is the one that has no UX experience. A lot of those people, they get positions because nobody else wanted it or they advanced to a position because they just kept jumping to positions within the company. They, but they don't. that doesn't mean that they know anything about UX and a lot of those people are intimidated when they meet somebody who has a lot of experience. So the answer to this question will like take a different, a different road. If you have more than four or five, six, seven, take 10 years of experience when you are talking to a manager, you're not going to be the manager and you're talking to a manager uh, that can really get dicey because People who don't have experience don't like hiring people that have more experience than them. In many instances, and now we're back to this hostile and toxic work environment thing, which is not a lot of fun and it's not desirable. So when it's not a good match, if you're trying, you're interviewing and you don't think it's a good match, you know what to do. And as much as it hurts, you might have to turn that job down. Uh, and, and then they'll send you the signs. I, I told the story before about the, the job that I was interviewed for and the person that interviewed me was spent the whole first five to 10 minutes of the interview complaining, venting, because the operation of their UX team was being moved from Minnesota to the Detroit area where I lived. That was a sign things were going to go wrong. I interviewed with another person once who wanted to hire one of her friends, so they sabotaged the interview and all the other parts of the interview we're great. You can go through a, a three to four step interview process and everybody's great and you're excited and you think that, hey, this is going to be great. I think this is going to work out. I think I might get this one. It's really playing out well. Then you go into that last interview and this person has an agenda. They have no interviewing skills. They have an agenda and it, and it comes through blatantly and obviously during the process. So even if they did offer it in that case, you know what to do. And it takes a lot of courage to turn something down or withdraw. When, when, when they say, oh, well, you know, you're asking for too much money. You don't want to go in there because even if they bring you in and you bring value, all they can see is what it costs to bring you in. And when people see how much it costs to bring you in, they can't see how much you're going to offset and generate. And they never take their eyes off of that. So now you're in a situation where they're always looking to cut corners and all they see is a salary but they don't see the ROI. And so that's a dangerous place to be. Folks are not going, they'd rather, and that, places like that would rather hire somebody with a small fraction of the experience because they're worried about the salary. And in those cases, they don't care how much that person is going to cost them because that's what's going to happen. So it takes courage to say no when, when you face the prospects of going into an organization that's not in your best interest. So when it's not a good match, that's what you got to do. If you're already there and you realize that your boss, is a, you're ready to quit the boss, um, you know what to do. 
Uh, as soon as you start seeing things, hey, it's start to, it's time to start going out and trying to check out the other opportunities and to handle them accordingly. So a um, lot of stuff to cover on that question. Again, this is not exhaustive, but I hope I've given you enough food for thought with regard to that. So thanks again for that question. Question number eight, number two for today. Can you please address why there are only senior level jobs? Um, this one's going to be easy to cover because I talk about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. I don't think this person knows that, but I talk about it a lot on social media. I've talked about it extensively on the podcast before. And so this one's not going to take a lot of time. Um, number one, uh, they're not only senior level jobs. That is a, it's actually a, uh, a soapbox, if you will, that a lot of people like to spread, especially they're, they're, they're usually newer to UX. They're frustrated because they can't find anything and they keep coming across things that everybody, they, they look at really, they actually have not looked at extensively, but what they, cause I, I look just to keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening. And I find entry level jobs on a pretty regular basis. I just know that entry level jobs are in the minority. They're in the gross minority. And, and that's not only is it like that for UX, it's like that for pretty much everything. So you will never find a place where entry-level jobs are in greater demand than seniors. That that just doesn't make sense. It, 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 these are businesses that people are running. And for the record, and I talked about this recently, so I'll mention it again, it costs a company to bring in entry-level people. They have to hold your hand all the time. They have to wait on you to get up to speed about certain things. They need to do a lot of training. They need to pay for you to get a lot of training. They need to pay. They need to take time to get for you to understand the business. There's a lot of things going on, and companies know this, so that's why you don't see this excessive need. Hey, we can't fill our, up our whole team with entry level people. That just doesn't make sense. So that's why you don't see this this just overabundance of entry level jobs. But again, you never ever will. But please, 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 folks. Don't let these people, these bitter people, because that's who it is, these bitter people going around saying, there's only entry-level jobs. They say that they, they say that it's entry-level, but you got to have three years of experience. That's because they don't know how to write job descriptions. That's because they copied somebody else's poorly written job description. So that does not mean that that's what the entire discipline is like. That's what that company or those companies are like. But that's not a representation of the discipline. So if you are an entry-level person, it's the same as always. Always strive to, to be ready to present your optimal value proposition as an individual candidate. Always be patient. Always make sure that you look at a position and make sure that you're a match for it before applying. Because some people say apply for everything. That's a way to get your name in the, in the UX post office if you'll get your picture up in the UX post office and this person who's always applying for things and they're not qualified. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you can become known for, for things of that. So, so people who don't know are given bad advice. People who don't know are making ridiculous statements such as uh, there are only senior level jobs. No, there's not. There's, mid, there's, there's entry level, mid level, senior and leader roles. And, and you can find what you need to find 
if you look for it the right way. If I'm looking for manager's roles, I know how to, to, to specify my search so I'm only finding manager roles or mostly manager roles. Uh, some people are looking for mid-level. You don't have to say mid-level. You could, but it would help in your search so that you get more roles that are reflective of that. But folks, I not only do I come across entry-level jobs pretty regularly, I share them when I find them. There was a company, I believe it was Chase Bank, was hiring, get this, if I remember correctly, they're talking about hiring 10 associate, and many times that means entry level, 10 associate UX uh, uh, people for Chase Bank. I shared that job about a week ago. Um, And so you go out and you apply. Please remember, when you apply, you are now entering a competition. And also please remember the fact that companies such as Google and other places, they got folks, they tricked people into signing up for courses, claiming that they were going to be job ready. You're not job ready when you come out of those courses. That's just a lie. And and it sets poor expectations and it sets the stage for the bitterness that leads to statements like that. I'm not saying the person who asked this question is bitter, but the people who start that and spread that, a lot of them are bitter. And, And so... They, 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 they trick you into taking the course and you pay your $50 a month or whatever it was, which is money you could have kept in your pocket and bought a lot of Happy Meals with them, but uh, which would have been a whole lot better than what they were offering. The value prop that they're offering through their course is not very, it's almost non-existent. And when you consider the fact that, that now they expose you supposedly to some UX-related stuff, but they also expose you to certain biases. And, and so now you've got to manage that bias, which is going to get in your way. Uh, for getting a job, and they didn't tell you that. But they have, I know, I'll just give you the number I know, because I heard another number, but I'll give you the number I know. 300,000 people have graduated, quote-unquote graduated, because a lot of people cheated, but we won't get into that today. 300,000 people graduated from that from that Google UX course. A, a fraction of them believe that they are UX certified. None of them are certified, but Google won't tell anybody that just thought I'd share that here uh, to help, help help somebody get delivered from that mental bondage of believing a lie. That's what happens when you believe a lie. You end up in a state of mental bondage. Um, but look at the number, 300,000 people, all 300,000 people, figuratively speaking, are looking for UX roles. So now you have entry level positions, which probably make up at the most, four to five percent of all open UX jobs that are being posted and shared in the world. Only five percent tops. Now, and that's just Google, 300,000 graduates. That's only Google. And, and you got people coming out of grad, uh, uh, grad school programs, coming out of uh, uh, undergrad UX program. Yes, undergrad UX programs do exist. Some people are going through certificate programs like eCornell, great program. For those of you look, looking to do something that makes more sense uh, than a boot camp or something like that, and you don't want to do a full degree, go to eCornell, great program. They give you a true foundation to the discipline, and it's through an accredited institution. So this is completely different. So th- this is huge. Uh, but... That's what you do, and that's what you do to get ready because you're entering a competition now, and the number of competitors is off the charts. 
that's what people should be having you to focus on instead of trying deceiving you into believing a lie that they're only senior level jobs. They're not only senior level jobs. If there wasn't only seen, if there was only senior level jobs, why do we hear about people getting the entry level jobs? So don't believe that because it's not, it's not helping you and it's not putting you in a proper mental state. So get ready. Put yourself in a position to represent yourself the best way you can. If you do get in it, apply, find a job that you qualify for, apply for that job. You may or may not get the interview. You'll get a ton of rejections, but it's not about the hundred rejections that you get. It's about the one yes that you do get. So who cares about all the rejections? We all get a bunch of rejections. That's the way that it goes. That's the way the job world goes in particular. Nobody owes you anything. So if you go and, and, and you don't have a mindset that anybody owes you anything, it helps you to continue pressing forward. That's where we need to be mentally. That's the best place to be mentally. So that's where we want to be. And you just keep applying. And in the situations where you do get an interview, if you don't get the job, try to make document what you learned. What did I learn? What can I do better? And then the next time you go and you do better and you keep hammering away and eventually you land something. As long as you bring a value proposition, as long as you're going to get something because nobody's going to hire you if you're not going to bring any value. So make sure that you bring value. They shouldn't want to hire you and you shouldn't even want to be hired if you're not going to bring value. So make sure that you have a healthy mindset and continue to go forward. Last question and we wrap up the Q&A here. Thanks for that question. And someone needed to hear all of that. And I hope more people subscribe to that because the numbers of people who think that they're only senior level jobs is, it's, it's astronomical. And, and they don't realize that if you're going to get anywhere, you got to get rid of that mindset. Last question. Why is it so overwhelming? <laughs> I, I, you know, the process of ramping up from a UX perspective, the person says, I want to grow, but it just seems so overwhelming. What do I do? And, and this goes back to something I mentioned again last week the UX cycle of excellence. And it's, I, I would say that I would challenge the mindset. I know that it feels overwhelming, but one of the main things we got to do, and I just talked about mental well-being, perception is everything. And the funny thing is, if you walk up to a mountain and you see the mountain as overwhelming and your goal is to get to the other side, it, the, the more you sit there and think about how overwhelming that mountain is, the slower you're going to be to climbing it or going around it or whatever it, whatever way you choose to get to the other side, the slower you're going to be. You're, you're going to spend so much time and so much energy focused on how big the mountain is that you're not going to be focused inwardly so that you can can start to to put yourself forward and do the things necessary to overcome this thing that appears to be overwhelming because when you, when you come up to a, to an obstacle and you realize, Hey, Oh, there, there's an obstacle. When you realize there's an obstacle, but you're determined to get to the other side, but you're more inwardly focused. You just focus on what I can do to get over around or through it. If you come up to the obstacle and all you do is sit there and talk about how overwhelming it is, that person is more likely to sit there. That person is more likely to quit after putting forth X amount of effort. So I'd say that this is really about the 
the mindset. UX is a broad thing. UX is a big thing. It's more than just one thing. And just start climbing. <laughs> one rock at a time. You just start climbing. You start to burrow through. You start to go around it. I'm going to get to the other side, period. Now, the question is, do you climb it? Do you go through it or do you go around it? But one way or another, you get to the other side. But don't sit there talking about how overwhelming it is. And and I've noticed this throughout my life, just looking at people when they encounter things. Uh, I, I think about bicycling. And sometimes you go bicycling and sometimes you come across a steep hill. Some of you, I'm sure, uh, like to ride bicycles and you may or may not have encountered a time when you come to an uphill, um, uh, just just a, a little bit of a steep incline there. And you might see it and you, you, might not, you may not even realize what the challenge is. But when you start to go uphill, you were just going anywhere from, from 10 to 15 miles an hour if you're going 15 miles an hour, you're already beyond what I'm talking about. But those of you out there, if, you, if you've been one of the slower riding folks, when you come to an incline and you try to go up, you go from going 10, 12, 13 miles an hour to going seven miles an hour because the effort that it takes to go up that hill when you don't know how to go up hills is, is daunting. It's challenging. It's, uh, I've seen people snap the chains on their bikes because their equipment just wasn't ready for the incline that they, that they faced. When you see that, then it came to the point where some people, when they would see the incline, they just stop. <laughs> they, 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 they didn't even want to encounter it. And I learned, because I love bike riding now, and I learned when I come to a slight incline, stand up. Stand up on the, on the pedals and I would stand up and it made it easier for me to push. And it became more like a, it became, I actually would hit it with more speed. I would speed up coming into it. And then I would stand up and it's more like walking or climbing at that point. And yeah, I'm going to go slower. I understand that, but I'm also going to eventually make it. So when you come across an obstacle, just be ready mentally. It's all about the mental aspect. And, and a lot of people are, are simply not ready mentally for a lot of the challenges that UX presents. So, and that's why, again, the intro that I gave today, that's why I talk about the things that I talk about because we need to equip people. If you really, really, really want to excel at UX, it's not as much about the things you learn as much about the mental makeup, the capacity, the emotional intelligence that you have that's going to get you through this thing. So I understand the question. I understand that it can appear to be overwhelming. But if you embrace a mindset of patience and you just learn, you're willing to learn at a slower pace because you're going to take in a lot of information over time, if you can eliminate the mindset that, because people are being infected with what I call the microwavable mindset today, and you know, because people say, oh, you can learn this in six months. Or you can learn everything about UX in nine days. That's not a joke. I, I've actually seen that. Um, they, they set people up because they set an expectation that you're going to go from A to Z quickly. Folks, you're not. You're not going to go there quickly. Now, when you eliminate this 
this perception of fast arrival, it should eliminate the fact that it takes or it should eliminate the, the mindset of it being overwhelming because now you don't have to do it in six months. You don't have to do it in nine days. You don't have to do it in three days. Now you can take your time. And, and in the UX cycle of excellence, the last step involves being patient with yourself. And you'll notice that when you're patient, you're not worried about being overwhelmed. You don't have a time limit. You don't have a due date, folks. Just get it done. So again, I understand that some people think that some of these things are overwhelming and sometimes they feel it's overwhelming when they hear a lot of things, but just take a step back, take it in, relive what you got exposed to, and it will slow things down for you. It will slow things down. And when you slow things down and you start to take things in and digest things, now you're in a position to accomplish it at your pace and you can achieve excellence on your dime and in your time. So, folks, those are the last three questions. Thanks again to everybody for the submissions. We'll be asking for questions from time to time. I hope these helped you. And thanks again to everybody for listening on today. Again, truth needs to go viral, folks. Get the word out. But that's all the time that we have for today. So this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.